0: Good morning, everyone. Hey, you made it a little earlier than you usually make it. I'm not going to lie to you. At this point in the day, I hate daylight savings time. Like, like I'm not for it at all. I'm not for Benjamin Franklin, who uh, was one of the guys who pushed it on us. a matter of fact, if you feel a little groggy today and you're thinking, man, that Ben Franklin, I don't know what I want to do with him. If you want to protest Benjamin Franklin like me today and you have anything that has a picture of him on it, you can give it to me and I will, I'll dispose of it. By the end of the day, some people here under the age of 20, they've never seen anything with Benjamin Franklin. So they don't even know what I'm talking about. But you older folks, just hit me up after the service and I will take care of it. We are so glad that you're here today. For those of you who last week sat in a video teaching service during our 9 thank you. We are a church right now that has way more people than chairs. So we operate in two campuses. We do five services. Uh, the 8 a.m. is always live teaching, the others kind of our mixture of teaching and video teaching. Uh, but I'm glad to be here with you today. And every Every Sunday you sit in a video teaching service. We are one step closer uh, to being back together. And today is what we're calling our Difference Makers Update Sunday. If you want to reach inside your bulletin, you're going to see a form like this. We said once a quarter, as we work through this building project that we launched last fall, that we really kind of poured all of our energy to in November and December, we said once a quarter, we're just going to update our church on where we are, what we're doing uh, where, where we've come from, what our next steps are, and when maybe we will be in the building. For those of you who've been praying, for those of you who've been giving, for those of you who are invested in this process, just wanna give you a few updates. The first one is a really, really big one. Uh, we have, in the last two months, received preliminary uh, development plan, unanimous approval by the Lee Summit City Council, which means the building that we gave them, the building we gave to the church, um, they said, yep, you can absolutely build it. In this building that we're sitting in, it took us six months to get through that process. With this building, it took six weeks. Um, Every meeting we had, they said, yes, yes, yes. And at the end of the day, the mayor, when they gave us unanimous approval, the mayor actually said, we love what your church is doing in our community. Uh, We're excited for your church to be bigger because um, more journey in our community probably means more blessing for our community. When the mayor of your city says that, you know you're headed in the right direction. Uh, For those of you who are brand new and say, okay, catch me up on, on where we're headed. Let me show you another slide. The blue is our current building. That's what we're sitting in right now. All the white roof and all this master plan is what we wanna build, uh, which means we have approval if we lift the roof off um, to build a 1,200-seat auditorium, a bigger rows, bigger aisle, aisles, bigger chairs, just a more comfortable place for our church family to worship together, a huge atrium foyer area where, uh, where you and your families and your friends and your small groups can gather before church, during church, uh, after church with some discipleship areas and just lots of areas to spend time together. Uh, our current building is all turned into the children's ministry space, along with the addition of new children's ministry space that'll be built on top of the road that runs directly behind our church right now. We're super excited about that upgrade. And of course, lots of parking um, and, and site work to support that. <laughs> So far in 2020, here's what we've done for those of you who are interested in the details of the process. We have met every week, uh, almost every Monday uh, of the year. Our building committee, our master site plan team, gets together. They interviewed in January and February all our engineers, mechanical, structural, um, plumbing, um, to figure out who we wanted to partner with to help build our building. We we interviewed multiples of those in every area. Uh, We hired our landscape architect who's gonna design and make sure the outside of the building looks good and is inviting to people. in our community, all those things have been done in January and February. Here's what we're doing in March and April and May. Here's our next step. One, uh, we are by the end of the month conducting interviews with three different general contractors, asking them to provide pricing and just getting to know some people to see who we who we want to build this building. We're also doing the same thing on the civil package, which is everything uh, under the ground, all the dirt, all the asphalt, all the parking lot, all the road. Um, we're trying to receive our permitting by the end of the spring uh, for our, all of our sidewalks, roadways, entries, parking lots. Um, and we hope by June 1 to have finalized construction documents so we can go to the city and get a permit to actually build the building as well. What does that mean? Some of you could care less about that. You just want to know, when, when is it here? When is it here? Let me give you some potential building timelines we hope to and are on track to break ground for site work, all the stuff on the ground, in the late spring or early summer of 2020. Potentially, if things keep going as well as they have been, potentially maybe May 1st, we're moving date, uh, moving dirt as late as maybe August. Um, if, if we get to do that, uh, that means we have the potential to complete all the site work in preparation for building construction by late summer or early fall 2020, potentially by Labor Day the site work could be done. You say, what does that mean? That means no more U-turns. That means new parking. That means a new outer loop. That means uh, much better traffic flow and space. If we take a bird's eye view of our building, that means all of this stuff around the building could be done by Labor Day with a pad there to get ready to build the building left into our church, left out of our church. And everyone said... Amen. Yes. Like, um, let's do that. Um, And then all these parking lots will be completed. Probably not striped yet, um, but we'll be able to park on those and access those. Have way better traffic flow. Super excited about that. Once that gets done, we'll be able to break ground for the building, potentially fall, early to late fall, maybe August, maybe October. And if we keep that timeline and the weather stays okay. The weather stays normal. We should be in in our new building by the fall of 2021, as early as maybe August of 2021, as late as November of 2021. So we are moving forward. Probably the most important thing um, that you can do right now is pray. Uh, We want you to know, we want you to be engaged, we want you to be excited, but pray. On the back of this sheet, I've given you seven things to pray for. I think if our church will pray together in this direction that God will continue to move and help us in these things. One, I want you to pray for unity within the leadership, the volunteers, the small groups, and the congregation throughout this Difference Maker Project. There are dozens of voices speaking into a lot of decisions that we're making, and we wanna walk out of every meeting together, unified, and this is exactly what we think God wants us to build for our church. We also want you to pray, number two, for protection from spiritual warfare, for our elders who are overseeing this project, for our finance team who's figuring out how to pay for this project, for me as I preach and lead and get our church ready, for all of our ministry staff, our volunteer and our church attenders. We said in last week's message, at any time you move forward spiritually, you have to battle spiritually which means this project is entering into a season of spiritual warfare. So we need to pray for strength as that comes. Number three, I want you to pray for your faith to grow during this season of giving and receiving. Some of you really stretched to make your pledge and God's gonna to have to move in your life to allow you to do what you committed to do for our church, but that's gonna allow your faith to grow. Our goal when we move into this building is not just to have a physical building, but our goal is that the faith of hundreds and hundreds of families will have been built along with this building as you move through this process. We want you to pray number four for somebody in your life who needs a touch from Jesus through the ministry of JCI in their life. I hope you're already thinking about who you'll invite to the first service. I hope you're thinking about which students on your street need to come to student ministry, which kids in your greater network are gonna come to the first vacation Bible school, the men and the women you're gonna invite to men's and women's ministry events. We're not building this building just for us. We're building this building for people in our city who need Jesus and who don't have him yet. So pray for the people who are gonna come. Number five, pray for the exponential blessing in the Lee Summit community through the future impact of JCI. Let's pray that our mayor is a prophet And that more JCI means better things for our community. Let's pray that that's real. That as God blesses us, we will bless our community more. Let's pray number six for the new ministry opportunities and the new impact, lots of new ministry that'll be done in a new facility built to better minister to us, the things that we need uh, and our community, the things that we can't do yet for them because we don't have space. And then pray number seven. This is a big one for the remaining 7.9 million dollars that's been pledged to come in by december 31st of 2021 2.8 million has already been given it's already in the bank let me put that in context when we built this first building uh, our entire church took 18 months to give 1.4 million dollars in 90 days our church has already given twice that in 90 days we got a long way to go but we've come a long way if you've pledged, we're praying for you. Some of you haven't pledged yet. You've been waiting on a tax return. You've been waiting to see if we're really gonna build a thing. As God speaks to your heart, we'd love for you to give. Pastor Scott told me between services, Christian, there are 60 people, 60 families who have already given to the building this year who did not pledge, but clearly God is speaking to their heart and they're giving. If you want more information, On the building project, differencemakers.cc is the website you can go to. You can learn all about the building. Um, In just a second, we're gonna pray for all of those things that I just mentioned, but before we do that, I know you're not just here for a business meeting um, to hear about the building, you're here to hear about Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, open to Exodus chapter 6. You're gonna start way closer to the front page of your Bible than the last page of your Bible, Exodus chapter six. Reach in your bulletin, pull out the notes so that you can follow along or fire up your Journey Church International um, app. Scholars have said that when you write things down instead of listening to them, you remember almost twice as much. So you say, why do you want me to take notes? Because you're gonna remember maybe twice as much as if you just sit and listen. And even then you retain like less than 50% of what you hear and take in. So take notes, it'll help things stick in your heart and in your head a little better. Today we begin a brand new series. You saw the video called Four Cups. The purpose of this series is that we might find and fulfill our purpose, but here's how. By understanding and recognizing who Jesus really is in our life. This series, you say, four, four cups of what? This series is a series learning about the four cups of the Passover meal that all symbolized a different stage of God's deliverance and the rescue of his people, the Israelites. Um, The first cup, why God rescued them. The second cup, how God would rescue them. The third cup... The reason that God was rescuing them, the purpose that God was rescuing them for, and then the fourth cup, the, the impact that they would make by being rescued. My goal every Sunday between now, starting today, and Easter, we will take communion together as a congregation to end our service. And we will walk towards the Easter season focusing more on the body and the blood of Jesus through the Lord's Supper than we ever have before. But I, I almost promise you that you will never take communion the same after today's message. And after this series, because of what you learned, Jesus said communion was all about him. And when we learn what the Passover was, because the first communion was a Passover meal, we learn a whole lot more about what Jesus wants to do in us, for us, and through us. Here's our goals for today. Two things I want you to see today. One, I want you to see a very clear picture of remembering Jesus through the Lord's Supper. Kind of the whole message is about, here's what you should think about as you take the Lord's Supper. Number two, I want you to start your journey out of Egypt. That'll mean more at the end of the message, and it does now. But my hope is that you will be willing to see the need, and you will have the courage to start your journey out of Egypt. Israel's journey as a nation began with the Passover. It was the 10th of 10 plagues that God had put on the nation of Egypt so that his people could leave. And God said, every year on this date, I want you to celebrate this with a Passover meal. About a 1,000 years after that happened, Jesus And his disciples would be having the Passover meal that we know as the Last Supper. And Jesus would say, this whole meal is about me. And everything that happens in this meal is what I am going to do for people who follow me. The next month, we're going to study and learn these things. In order to look forward in our spiritual journey, sometimes we have to look backwards and see... Who Jesus says he is and what he will do in our life. Before we read scripture, we always like to ask God to open our hearts. So if you would, would you just bow your heads with me quickly? Would you take a deep breath if you haven't done that yet today on this daylight saving time Sunday? And if you're a praying person, just whisper this prayer from your heart to heaven. Ask God to speak to your heart today. God, that's our prayer as a church that you would speak to our hearts today. God, we pray for the building project. We pray for all those prayer goals that you've given us, Lord, most specifically, that you would use the building for better ministry, for more ministry, that, Lord, as our mayor said, that as our church expands, our impact in our community might expand. We pray for the men, women, teenagers, and children who will be impacted when we build a new building. God, we pray for all those who are giving that they, Lord, will learn in faith what it looks like to rely on you and contribute to your work. And God, I just pray for our church as we move through this season that you'll keep us unified, you'll keep us on mission, and God, you'll keep our fire burning brightly for the future you have for us. God, today, in message one of this series, clearly show us Jesus like we've never seen him and his plan for our life. Help us to see these things today, Lord. We ask him in Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. So Exodus chapter six is where we are. Let me let me walk you from Exodus one to Exodus chapter six. In Exodus chapter one, uh, we learned that a man named Joseph, who was kind of the hero of the Israelite people in Egypt, had died, and four hundred years later, the people of Israel were now slaves to the kingdom of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 2, a baby's born. Uh, at that time, there was a directive to kill all the baby boys, so his mom put him in the river. His name was Moses. He was taken out of the river and adopted by the household of Pharaoh. In Exodus chapter 3, he's 80 years old, so we really fast forward, and God comes to him uh, through a burning bush and says, I'm ready to take my people home. In Exodus chapter four, Moses says, I don't think I can do that. So God shows him that he's gonna be with him supernaturally, has his thrum staff on the ground and he shows him some supernatural sign that convinces him, okay, I can do this. In Exodus five, he tells the people we're going home. He tells Pharaoh, we're going home. Pharaoh says, you're not going home. He makes the people work harder and the people cried out to God and said, God, what are you doing to us? In Exodus six, he answers. And here's his answer. Exodus chapter six, verses two through seven, God said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. This series is going to teach us a lot of really, really powerful things about Jesus and his ministry in our life. But the first thing we're going to learn today is a picture of the Passover, many Christians, especially those of you who may not have grown up in church, have taken communion, have observed the Lord's Supper their entire life, but they have never seen it bigger than the Easter story. And the Easter story is important. I mean, the cross is the most important moment probably in the history of the world. Jesus raising from the dead after the redemption of sins on the cross would be right there was one of the most important moments of the history of the world. Communion is all about Easter weekend, but it's so much more than that. Communion was a picture of the Passover meal and Jesus told his disciples this meal and what it stands for is all about me. Some of you have Jewish friends and you've had a Passover Seder with them. That's what the Passover meal is called. It's called a Passover Seder. It's a meal that they have at twilight on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the first day of Passover weekend. And it's a meal that has 15 stages that are all stories. They're all spiritual stories. Literally, every bite of food that you take, every piece of food that's prepared, every drink that you take has a spiritual story attached to it. And it's kind of like a progressive spiritual dinner that, as you eat and drink, you reflect on the Exodus story, who God was, what God did in the life of his people. The Passover Seder really served two purposes in Israel. One, it was the way they taught their children who God was, why they were special, and what God's plan for their life was. It was a way for families to help their children understand, here's who God's been in our past and here's who God wants to be to you. But it was also a way for the parents, for the adults to remember every year, hey, we're God's people, we've been spared for God's purpose, we need to go do what God created us to do. Jesus was having this Passover Seder with his disciples on the night he was betrayed and he would say about this meal, this meal is all about me. Throughout the Passover meal, there were four cups of wine that would be drank along the way. It's why in Luke twenty two seventeen 17, we read that Jesus took the cup and he made a comment about it. And then after that, he took the bread and he made a comment about it. And then after the bread, he took another cup and made the comment about it. You say, wait a minute, was the cup before the bread or was it after the bread? It was both. There were actually four. And these four cups, these four drinks of wine would be had. And as you would take these four cups of wine, you would celebrate... The four I will statements that we just read in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Every time you pause to remember the cup, you would pause to remember the promises of God. What were those four statements? The first was this, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Before they would drink that first cup, they would remember that God was the one who brought them out. This was the stage of their journey where they began to know God. Now, sometimes we have to think about things in our context in order to understand kind of just how heavy some situations were, but I want you to think about this. The Israelites had been a people in slavery for 430 years. They knew nothing but Pharaoh, Egypt, taskmasters, uh, slavery. They knew nothing but slavery. They really knew nothing and had not experienced anything of their God. To put that into context... Probably the blackest mark in American history, the darkest, deepest sin of American history was the American slave trade. It went on in the organized United States of America from 1776 to 1865 when Abraham Lincoln and Congress abolished it. 89 years of slavery in the country we live in now as America, 150 years later, do we or do we not feel any repercussions from that time, yes or no? Yeah, we absolutely do. It's impacted us in a dark and deep and ongoing way. Israel was in slavery five times longer. 430 years. How much did their heart need to be rescued? How much did their heart need to be delivered? How much did their hopeless situation need a God to step into it? Every time they took the first cup of Passover they would be remembered. We were a people that all we knew was bondage, but God stepped into our bondage and made himself known to us to rescue us. Every time you and I take the cup of communion, we are supposed to remember that the only reason we know God is because he stepped into our bondage and he made himself known to us. Every time we take the cup of communion, we're reminded Jesus stepped out of heaven into our slavery to make himself known to us. Jesus said, this cup is now about me. The second cup we see in the second I will statement of verse six. He said, I will free you from being slaves to them. You say, wait a minute, didn't you just say that? I mean, why do you say the same thing twice? It's not the same thing twice. The first time he said, I'm gonna take you out of Egypt. The second time he said, I'm gonna free you from being slaves to them. This talks to us about transformation. You say, Christian, I don't get it. Let me tell you what God's saying here and what I believe God needs to say to some of you in here. I think probably the line of this series that you'll remember more than any other line. It's what next week's message is about is this. Sometimes it's easier to take the slave out of Egypt than it is to take Egypt out of the slave. Because after the slaves came out of Egypt, it was still deeply in their heart. And a lot of times they longed for it and they yearned for it. And even though they had been brought out of the place of slavery, they had not been freed from it. And Some of you are here today and you've asked Jesus to rescue you but you've not been deeply transformed. You've been taken out of Egypt, but Egypt has not been deeply taken out of you. That's what next week's message is about. You see, every time we take the cup of communion, we celebrate not only the fact that God has brought us out of Egypt, but that God through his Holy Spirit is bringing Egypt out of us, amen? Y'all, y'all get the difference, Right? There's a big difference there. The third I will statement, they would remember as they drank the third cup of the Passover meal, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Circle the word redeem on your sermon notes. This is about discovering the purpose that God has created us for. The word redeem means to purchase. But in a very, very specific way, the word redeem means to buy back. It means to purchase something that used to belong to you, that doesn't anymore, that you want to belong to you again. See, this promise of the Passover, that I'm gonna redeem you with an outstretched arm, that I'm gonna bring you back, reminded the people of Israel, every time they celebrated this cup, they would remember we were created for a very specific purpose. And then somehow we got off track. But God, in his grace, he bought us back and set us back. Back on track. We were created for a very specific purpose. We got off that, but God called us back and said, no, you are a special people with a special purpose. When we celebrate the cup of communion, we realize sometimes for the first time that God created us for a very special purpose, but sin got us off track, but Jesus called us back and said, you were created for something different than you're doing now. I wanna buy you back for your original purpose and inheritance. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, we remember we were created for something very special. Sin got us off track, but Jesus has called us back. And then the last I will statement of Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7 is I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. This was a promise that the people of Israel would make a difference. Here's what God in essence was saying to the people of Israel. We're going to be a family. We're going to be a family which means you're going to do what I'm going to do, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rescue and redeem the world. So you are too. You're going to help me. Jesus said, that cup is now about me. So you need to know that when you become a follower of Jesus, we are now family. You're going to do what I'm going to do, and what I'm going to do is rescue and redeem the world, which means you are going to be used to rescue and redeem the world too. Your life with me is going to make a big, big difference And here all this time we thought the communion juice was just about the blood of Jesus. It is, and that's massively important. But Jesus would tell his disciples, all these steps are now about me, and yes, your sin is forgiven and it's cleansed, but this is what that spiritual journey looks like. Beginning with, number two, leaving Egypt. Jesus said, all these cups are about me, and yes, it it symbolizes confession and cleansing of sin. That's great. But here's what that journey is gonna look like, beginning with leaving Egypt. I wanna focus in just a little bit on Exodus 6, 6, that first I will promise before we get ready to take communion as a church together today. And if you have your Bibles open, I want you to underline or highlight a few words on your technological device. God said, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. Underline those three words, bring you out or circle them or highlight them. I will bring you out. I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke, underline or circle those four words. Three words, forwards. two phrases. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. You know, it's interesting when you look at this phrase, bring you out, it's different than what a lot of us understand our relationship with Jesus to be. And you know, I'm not sure if you know this, but Jesus highlighted for us in the Passover meal, because these cups are about him, that he wants to bring you out. Do you know that Christianity is not inviting in Jesus into your life? It is accepting an invitation into the life of Jesus. And if you don't understand that, listen, watch this. If you don't understand that, here's what you're going to ask Jesus to do. To join you in your slavery instead of take you out of your slavery. You see, there are too many Christians today who have invited Jesus into their life because life is hard and life is broken and life needs comfort and life needs help. But Christianity is not not adding Jesus to our life. Christianity is replacing our old life with a new life. Christianity really isn't inviting Jesus to do anything. It's accepting his invitation to come out to come out and to follow him where he wants us to go. And too many people in the world who aren't Christians look at Christians and their life looks the exact same with Jesus as it did without Jesus. And they say, for you, Jesus is just a crutch. Nothing has changed, but Jesus makes you feel better about your life. And for many people who all they've done is invite Jesus into their slavery to help them there, that's true. But that's not what God wants to do. He said, I want to bring you out from under the yoke. I don't don't want to get underneath it with you and help you carry it because your yoke is heavy. Jesus isn't a crutch to help with the weight of spiritual slavery. He's the force that removes the yoke of slavery and sets you free. But too often we say, Jesus, my life is heavy. Will you help me carry it? That's not Christianity. Christianity is, Jesus, my life is heavy. Will you remove it? This week on the Activate podcast, we talked a lot about the yoke. I wish I had more time now. I wouldn't have time to teach it and for us to still take communion, so I will have to catch it there this week. Because Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 that, that we need a yoke, but we need his yoke. So what exactly does that mean? Jesus said, I want to bust the yoke on your life, and I want to give you my yoke. Take about 12 minutes in the podcast to understand what that means. I think it could be transformational to how you understand following Jesus, but you'll have to catch it there this week. The big thing you need to know is Jesus is not the crutch to help you limp through slavery. He is the force that sets you free from slavery. And some of you are thinking, Christian, I wish that was true, but I don't think it is for me. You don't know how hard my life is. You don't know how deep my bondage is. You don't know how difficult things are going. And you're right, I don't. And it would be unfair of me to act like it was easy. The point you're making is a good point. It's a natural point. It's been made before by the people of Israel. Because when Moses showed up and said, here's what God says he's gonna do, they all said, yeah, we don't think that can happen. In Exodus chapter six, right after Moses got done giving the promises, he reported all of the promises to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and their harsh labor. When your life is defined by discouragement and difficulty and fatigue, the natural response is, I wish God could, but I don't think he can. That's a natural response. But when your life is defined by following Jesus, the supernatural response is, I certainly can't, but God can See, the reality of this story, as many of us know who have grown up around church, is God could and God did bring the Israelites out of their oppression. They said, oh, he can't do that. He could, and he did. And God still can. Would you say those three words, God still can? One more time. Only one, only a third of you said, it, and half of you didn't believe it. Say those three words, God still, can. God still can. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, God still can. God still can and God still will bring people who follow him out from under the yoke of slavery. But you got to have a deeper commitment than just asking Jesus to join your life and make it easier. God still can and God still will bring you out of oppression. But that only happens as you get beyond kind of the ABC's elementary teachings of Christianity. We need to move beyond asking God to be a part of our slavery and make it a little easier. And we need to move towards asking God to break the yoke and change our life completely. That's what the author of Hebrews chapter 6 said. He said, we need to quit asking Jesus to join us in slavery and we need to start asking Jesus to rescue us from slavery. He said, therefore, let's move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death in a faith in God. He said, we talk too much in church about just kind of having your sins forgiven and believing in God. That's a part of it. But there's a big thing called following Jesus that happens after that. There's a big thing called the stone is rolled away, get out of the grave. There's a big thing in baptism that you don't stay under the water, you come out of the water. There's a big thing in Christianity called rescue, called deliverance. There's more than just, I'm sorry, please help me here. There's a next step of I want to follow you now in joining Jesus in the invitation that he gives you for freedom, for purpose, for life. And that is just a little bit of what we remember when we take the communion cup. We know the blood of Jesus forgives, and we are so grateful for that. Now we need to learn that the power of Jesus rescues completely, and it gives freedom where there's bondage. At this time, I want to invite our ushers forward. We're going to take communion together as a church. We're going to do it this Sunday and every Sunday through Easter. I want to invite our band to come on the stage. They're going to worship for a little bit so that as you pray, you can just kind of sing a little worship song in your heart. I want to invite Pastor Mike up. He'll lead us through communion at the end. But don't put your notes away yet because here's what's gonna happen the next three weeks. I want you to fully understand where we're going in the next three weeks as we focus on Jesus who said, all these things in the Passover are about me. We're gonna focus on what we're gonna learn. Next week, we're gonna learn about a new mindset. We're gonna believe that we've been taken out of Egypt, but we're gonna learn we need Egypt taken out of us. We're gonna learn in two weeks about a new purpose. We're going to learn that God has always had a plan for our life. We got off track through sin, but that he redeemed. He bought us back for his calling and his purpose. And we're going to learn, number three, about a new potential. We're going to learn that with God, we can impact our world for good. God's going to say, hey, we're now in the same family. You're with me, and here's what I'm doing. I'm rescuing and redeeming the world. That means you're going to do it too. Remember, Jesus said this story was about him and what he would do in your life. In Luke 22, 20, as he took that second cup of communion we see in the gospel of Luke, it says in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant. And it's now my blood and it's gonna be poured out for you. Jesus said, all these things are about me. And it's what I'm gonna do for you. I'm gonna help you know God. I'm gonna help you get out of bondage and know who God is. I'm gonna help you be transformed. I'm gonna help bondage get out of you I'm gonna help you discover your purpose. You were created for a very special purpose. You've drifted, but I'm calling you back. And together, because we're family, you're gonna do what I'm doing, and I'm rescuing and redeeming, serving, healing the world. You're gonna help me do that. Today, we're gonna to take communion backwards. We almost always take the bread first and then the cup, but we're gonna start with the first cup of communion today. So in just a second, I'm gonna pray. The ushers will pass communion, and when they do, I want you to get your communion elements ready you can pull that wafer out of the two and one and just hold on to it and then open up that cup we're going to start with the cup of deliverance today and we're going to celebrate not just the blood of Jesus but what the blood of Jesus does it calls us out of Egypt into the promise we pray with me as we consider these things god thank you as we take communion for reminding us of the power of Jesus in the cups of the passover God, help us to believe today that you are more than a crutch to help us limp through our slavery. Help us to believe that you are a deliverer who is calling us out of slavery. God, teach us and help us to believe and receive your call to leave Egypt so that we might pursue Jesus as we reflect on the Lord's Supper today. We understand it clearer than we've ever understood it before. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus that calls us out of Egypt. Be with us in these moments of reflection and remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, amen.